0: to the next episode with Jessica around climate change and climate action and today we want to talk about energy the future of energy and what are the big lessons that we can learn from uh, what has happened what is going on and maybe also what is going to happen so great to, um, to have you and great to explore this topic with you
1: Hello, Vincent. Uh, Yes, uh, I'm very excited uh, uh, to talk to you about uh, energy because uh, I believe that uh, this is one of the greatest challenges for the 21st century of our society uh, in order to uh, get into a sustainable and low-carbon use of energy.
0: Yes, and so let's start with my amateur I would say view of, of energy. So what I understand is that obviously when humans started to use mainly fossil fuels, i.e. wood and coal and then oil at some point to create energy power. So this has started sometime in the 1800s. Um, then some other sources of energy were discovered But it's clear that the ones that are producing carbon dioxide, CO2, this is adding to the the climate change, to the greenhouse effect, and is a major issue. And this is obviously still happening in many countries. A lot of countries depend on coal power uh, for their energy needs. And um, we are seeing some uh, developments around wind power, solar power, and um, maybe some other areas as well. but it's, it's, a, it's a very difficult question also for me to, to understand, you know, where, you know what, what is the current state of, of science, say, what are the alternatives and how can we reach can we it? So I think it would be really cool if you could give, give us your view of the energy situation um, at the moment.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I would like to start uh, uh, with the fact that all uh, contemporary societies are actually heavily uh, um, relaying on uh, uh, energy. So we are quite addicted uh, uh, to uh, all kinds of energy, burning fossil fuels, uh, uh, mainly coal, oil, gas. and uh, I guess that uh, currently we know that we have to get into a zero carbon society, which means that we have to uh, change the entire infrastructure, the entire consumption of, uh, of energy. And, uh, and I think this is, uh, this is a, huge, um, a huge challenge that we are facing. And we don't have uh, so much time left to uh, transition into a low carbon society.
0: uh, What exactly does zero carbon mean?
1: Well, zero carbon means that uh, the net emissions of uh, CO2 equivalents would be zero. So that uh, that means that for every single molecule of uh, carbon dioxide that we want to emit into the atmosphere, we have to capture and bury it underground or we just don't emit uh, any uh, CO2 or carbon dioxide equivalent.
0: And so, and so this means that um, obviously you, you burn something, you create CO2, and as long as you are able to compensate for this burning of the CO2 and this creation of CO2, for example, as you said, you, you bury it underground, or theoretically you plant trees or you have your know, trees growing, which you know use CO2 to grow, even if that you know, will not work on the biggest there, but let's but just um, for for um, simplicity's sake, you have to compensate for what you're emitting by capturing it and either storing it in, in some way, in either in plants and trees or on the ground or in some other way to to deal with it. so that the net emission is zero.
1: Absolutely. So that would be the optimal case. And uh, in order to limit uh, uh, our global warming to two degrees Celsius, uh, we have uh, about 27 years left to turn into this. Uh, Uh, zero carbon society. And uh, considering that about 60% of the uh, global greenhouse gas emissions uh, at the moment can be attributed to the energy sector and that we are still burning fossil fuels even though that we know better that this is uh, one of the worst um, uh, forms of energy that we can use. And considering that the efforts that we are putting into renewable energies and uh, alternatives is is so low it is uh, it is quite of a uh, a huge issue that uh, that we are facing and that uh, uh, requires a lot of um, uh, personal um, behavioral changes but also a higher efficiency in uh, uh, in our processes, that we have to uh, focus more on uh, um, how to implement more uh, uh, renewable energy, such as solar, hydropower, and wind, which is still uh, not a uh, primary focus, uh, especially in the industrialized world. So it doesn't seem that we are really focusing on this kind of transition towards that. And I personally believe mm. that uh, alternative energies, they do have a huge uh, a positive impact because all the green jobs for, uh, can actually account for economic recovery. Uh, it w- would uh, reduce all the oil drilling the um, alternative energies also would give us uh, a kind of a energy independencies. and uh, uh, the only thing that we have to uh, assure is uh, how do we uh, get uh, alternative or renewable energies into uh, uh, a stable into a stable system, because that's what mm. we don't have at the moment.
0: Yeah, because there there are some basic problems apart from even only the the effect or the fact that the fossil fuels contribute to this incredible global warming, there are also some other problems which cause environmental destruction around oil drilling. there's entire landscapes that get um, destroyed by coal mining, especially. I mean, and we know this here in Germany from the the brown coal, you know, which is is actually captured from very below the surface of the earth. So a lot of you know, villages have to actually be transferred to to other areas. So um, and at the moment, what what is interesting to me, or like I think what's what's quite interesting is. Do you, how do you see the the kind of the the pivot or the the change from the shares of different types of energy? Is because I assume that there's a there's a change happening, so there's more renewable energy coming into the whole mix. But do you do you have a feeling for you know how how fast this change is happening and how much faster it would have to be to reach this target in 27 years?
1: Well i mean at the moment we are still uh, using about eighty percent of fossil fuels to uh, for, for our energy supply and I think that uh, that has to that has to change and uh, the major uses of um, of energy is electricity and heat production agriculture forestry and land use as well as uh, industry transportation buildings and uh, Uh, food production so and considering that uh, uh, electricity and heat is one of the uh, main sources of uh, energy use I think uh, there is a huge uh, potential of uh, um, recreating uh, new infrastructures especially when we are talking about uh, Uh, heating water and heating buildings uh, because that could be a very decentralized uh, solar solution that uh, doesn't even have to feed the grid. So because the problem with the uh, renewable energies at the moment is the grid instabilities. So Mm -hmm. in order to uh, attribute uh, these uh, new changes uh, to um, the in, individual sectors where we are actually using the energy I think there is a huge potential um, not only in uh, heat production but also in agriculture how we use uh, our fossil fuel subsidies uh, uh, in uh, um, in agriculture as fertilizer as uh, fuel and so on. I think there is a lot of um, a lot of potential to reduce our dependency on fossil fuels, but it would require uh, a systemic change. And I think we as humans, we are not very willing to change our uh, behaviors or we are kind of having a resistancy uh, to change our behaviors if there is no uh, top down uh, approach from the government. So I think uh, it is like a very integral um, uh, and very complex uh, problem that we are facing because, uh, uh, yes, we do need uh, 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 new legal uh, procedures. We uh, need probably carbon taxing in order to get into, uh, into a stage where we actually start um, decarbonizing and I think this uh, should be the overall goal is uh, how can we get to a decarbonizing state as fast as possible
0: Mm -hmm. and so what what about carbon neutral energy like nuclear power I mean nuclear power had a obviously a very bad reputation over the years because of the accidents because of the wastes and the risk associated generally, and I think there's probably also some psychological elements to it because it is such a scary technology because everyone always thinks about, when you talk about nuclear power, you always think about the nuclear bomb as well, and this unbelievable energy that you can release, but also this energy that destruct, you know, destroys a lot, and the, you know, the dangers of radiation. What about What about the fact that uh, nuclear energy um, is zero zero carbon. What is your viewpoint on the future of nuclear energy?
1: Well, I think uh, it is kind of interesting. I think my uh, my personal opinion uh, changed quite uh, a lot or drastically over the the last decades, because uh, like in the nineteen nineties. Or yeah, when I started to be uh, more interested in uh, uh, energy forums, uh, I always uh, thought that yes, uh, um, nuclear power is uh, one of our enemies because of uh, all the uh, radioactive waste and. Uh, uh, also the uh, condemnation uh, of, uh, of this form of, of energy. But uh, as you already pointed out, it is a carbon neutral uh, energy source and also considering that uh, new technologies uh, in, uh, uh, in the nuclear sector uh, would most likely improve the security and the safetiness of uh, these nuclear power plants I still have my resistance to say, oh, this is a great form, uh, because we still have to deal with the nuclear waste. We have to be aware of that, and we don't have uh, um, uh, final storage uh, locations uh, nowhere in the world. I think Norway is probably opening up one, but uh, I think it's it's one of the few countries uh, who are really considering having a final deposit of uh, nuclear waste. But uh, um, yeah, it's uh, I think we have to reconsider nuclear power because we know that uh, we can't uh, um, we cannot uh, supply the energy uh, only with renewables. Uh, we don't have enough uh, wind, solar, and hydropower. In order to feed our addiction to energy uh, when we want to decarbonize this kind of sector. So, I think uh, nuclear power uh, with the uh, new technologies uh, might have a revival at some point uh, um, because um, we have to, if we want to survive as uh, humanity, we have to. Uh, get into a zero carbon society relatively soon and uh, this would be uh, one option how we can actually uh, get there within a time frame that uh, uh, gives us a little bit of a pop, uh, buffer to to actually uh, act and um, well, we have to we have to still figure out what we do with the nuclear waste, but also uh, the the newer technologies uh, uh, use uh, uh, less uh, uh, less amounts of uh, radioactive uh, material, and uh, also the radioactive waste is uh, uh, less in quantity. So, mm-hmm. I guess there are. Um, uh, pros and cons uh, on, uh, on all kinds of uh, alternative energies uh, and you can uh, uh, name all of them. Um, mm, yeah. I mean even biomass uh, which would be probably also um, c- could give us uh, the independence of, uh, of fossil fuels. But uh, at the same time, uh, biomass, so when we transform corn into ethanol, uh, that can, uh, for example, drive up the, the fruit prices. Uh, it can lead to more forest destruction. It, can, uh, it will have mm-hmm. ethical concerns because uh, there are still so many people starving in the world. So I guess that uh, each uh, alternative uh, to fossil fuels Has his uh, flip side. So, and we have to be aware of that and uh, uh, considering nuclear power, um, the amount of uh, death per uh, produced kilowatt hours is actually very low compared to coal and. Oil production because uh, uh, even if we uh, take into consideration Fukushima and Chernobyl and all the other uh, accidents that we had with the very old uh, nuclear power plants. Um, the uh, amount of death per kilowatt hour in the coal industry is way higher because there are so many workers who are dying in the coal mines uh, and nobody's talking about. So the, the dangerous side of nuclear power in comparison is actually not so high. The problem is, as as usual, when you have an accident uh, where a lot of people die relatively uh, um uh, relatively fast and uh, where the consequences are um, very severe in a short period of time, we remind that uh, uh, way more often and we do think uh, uh, that uh, this is a more uh, dangerous uh, part of um or it's a more dangerous source of uh, of energy which is uh which is not
0: yeah. it's it's a, and this is an interesting way to look at it because at first it might seem callous to look at it from that point of view but it's but it, but this this is just a, a truth which has to be put out there that you have to look at the consequences really and it's i think what you're explaining is exactly that psychological effect that if something is happening all the time on a, on a low level and no one is taking notice of it, it can be the effect in, in accumulation can be much bigger than something else which is not happening on a low level and then has some spikes or some catastrophic events where something goes terribly wrong. But the total effect is much, much smaller than that other effect. I think we are probably wired as humans to be more reactive to these big events because we can relate to them and it's, and it's more psychologically well I wouldn't say interesting but it's definitely more um, moving and we react to it more strongly so it's a, that's a, that's a great, um, great point I think that you made there um, and I think it's an important one to make so I was wondering also you know apart Apart from this kind of potential for for nuclear energy and safe, more safe reactors and a way to store the, the waste and and um, and having that as a potential uh, addition to the energy mix, are there any I would say you know you could say radical or really cool ideas or innovative ideas where you see some some new source of energy? becoming available um, and I have some one picture in mind where which I saw some time some time ago which I thought was quite interesting, which was a balloon and a balloon uh, tied to some strings which is attached to the ground and the balloon was actually carrying some propellers or some turbines so it was actually flying um, in the air um, and collecting wind energy in the air and transmitting it I think, to the ground. I think this was totally conceptual, but this sounded kind of cool to me because I thought, okay, it's mobile <laughs> and it's, it's you know, taking the energy out of the air. It doesn't have to be that idea, but is there any other stuff where you think, well, you know, we should really look into some other elements more. What, what is your point of view on that?
1: Well, I, re- I really like you know new and innovative uh, and creative ideas of uh, how to uh, produce uh, uh, energy as an alternative. However, I am a big fan of solutions that already exist and where we know they are working and they are scalable. And Mm -hmm. uh, considering these two factors, the availability of the technology and the scalability, uh, I personally believe we have to put uh, more energy into onshore wind turbines because um, these are relatively cheap to construct, repair, and maintain. have a shorter distance to the consumer which allows for a less voltage uh, uh, drop off of the cabling and uh, mm-hmm. they are very quick to install. So it's a matter of months uh, that uh, you can actually uh, install a, a wind turbine, an onshore wind turbine. Um, mm-hmm. And it almost has no downsides. I mean, okay, people still perceive it as a strain in the landscape but uh, uh, let's uh, uh, consider that as a um non important uh, factor that uh, it might not uh, look very nice and it's a very personal uh, and very subjective uh, um, judgment and um, and the noise pollution which can be significant if it's very uh, close very close to, uh, very close to communities i think the yeah. only down point of onshore wind uh, uh, turbines is that uh, usually on land we have uh, lower wind speed uh, and we might not uh, be able to generate enough power and um, so yes. i think that uh, yeah onshore wind uh, turbines is something uh, where i personally would put more emphasis uh, in the future and also on uh, decentralized uh, uh, solar installations uh, for example, to what
0: do you, yeah, what do you mean by that? By decentralized solar installation?
1: Well, that's uh, that are all the solar panels that you install on your house or wherever, and that are not connected to the uh, local grid. So you use the energy that you're producing on your rooftop, for example, to heat your water or to uh, produce your uh, uh, en- um, electricity at home. And I I think that uh, these. Uh, um, uh, rooftop solar installations, uh, they can uh, benefit uh, a lot in terms of reducing the energy consumption from fossil fuels. Because uh, as I said uh, at the very beginning, that uh, the, um, uh, the biggest contributor to greenhouse gases uh, from energy comes from electricity and heat production, uh, which is about 25% so if we can decentralize uh, uh, some of that uh, with uh, solar power uh, that would be a a great uh, uh, drawdown in the end.
0: Mm -hmm. And uh, so on the regarding the social solar panels this is an interesting point so in for example in Germany there were some, or there still are, I think, some subsidies around installing solar panels on houses, uh-huh. and also some subsidies by, which means that if you generate power and you generate more power from that that you need, you can feed it into the grid um, at a at a you know, at a good price. Also. I think the state is um, subsidizing, or not anything, I know actually, so state subsidizing you to buy these solar panels. So, but here's here's the thing. Um, from a, an economic point of view, there's also a counter-argument or there's a critical argument saying, okay, well, does it actually make sense to install solar panels where, which are expensive to produce and which um, use scarce resources like the silica you know, that you have to put in them, does it actually make sense to install them in Germany, where actually you don't have that much sunlight, or should you rather use the resources to produce solar panels and put them in places where you have a lot of sunlight, so you can capture more energy from them? So that's kind of a critical critical point point um, around this this area. What are your thoughts on that, maybe?
1: Well, I think that's uh, that that is something that we have to look uh, uh, into in more detail. I think, if I recall right, uh, Germany had uh, last year a couple of days uh, where the entire power supply, uh, energy supply, uh, was basically fed by solar power. Of course, uh, um, Germany is not the most sunniest uh, place on earth. but uh, let's be honest, Germany has a lot of uh, good uh, engineering and uh, the maintenance and the installation is uh, is very easy, which is uh, not often the case in uh, developing countries where we have a lot of sunlight. So the availability of sun hours uh, in uh, developing countries is way higher. So... Here, the uh, availability of uh, of solar panels is basically inexistent, uh, especially especially here in Central America. Uh, and why is that? Well, it's as you said, it's way too expensive. It's uh, way too complicated to uh, to install, and there is no incentives because there are no subsidies uh, here in countries to actually generate uh, energy from from solar power, which. Again, coming back to the uh, injustice of our uh, climate change situation, I think it would be uh, our duty to actually help these uh, countries where we have enough uh, sun hours to uh, uh, make installations, to make big uh, scale installations of solar power uh, to... uh, Uh, not make uh, uh, people here in Central America, for example, dependent on fossil fuels. Because the demand of energy is growing. And this is something that uh, even if we uh, like to change that, this is not going to happen. Because uh, uh, everybody wants to be on a kind of an equal level when it comes to uh, life standards. And at the moment, there is a huge inequality in the world. And uh, we can't uh, tell people who don't have electricity, oh, I'm sorry, the, the budget for energy in the world is uh, gone. Uh, you can't uh, have uh, electricity at all. So, of course uh, Based on that, uh, the energy consumption in the next couple of years will still grow. The only questions that we have to ask ourselves is how are new installations? Uh, uh, what kind of new installations are we are going to focus on? And um, I think it's a, it's a nice thing that uh, countries like uh, uh, Germany uh, are trying to install more solar power because they do have the financial resources, but I think it would be way smarter to take this investment and invest that in other countries uh, to actually create energy from renewable sources. Um, mm-hmm. But that would require that uh, we are again, we are shaking our entire geopolitical system uh, one more time, because what would be the incentive for Germany to invest in uh, solar power in uh, Guatemala, for example? So far, there okay. is uh, no, there is no uh, no incentive except of uh, maybe developing work. But um, I think it uh, it should be uh, part of uh, political regulations. Uh, to fulfill the Paris Agreement uh, to reduce, the, uh, um, to reduce uh, greenhouse gas emissions uh, uh, by 2050. So, yeah, I think that uh, that could be uh, something where we have to focus more on is uh, uh, how uh, do all the new um, energy, where does all the new energy come from that we are mm. requiring uh, in terms of mm-hmm. population growth, in terms of uh, higher consumption per uh, capita in developing countries. And uh, mm-hmm. considering that uh, countries like uh, China, India, um, they are trying really hard to with the renewable energies but at the same time they're building up new coal power plants because uh all the demand that they have in their country is so huge they can't uh, uh they can't meet uh, these energy goals uh, solely from uh, renewable energies and uh, mm-hmm. i guess that uh, uh, these countries need uh, uh, more help uh, in terms of uh, uh, financial resources of how to build more efficient uh, energy plants. And uh, and this not only has to be solar, this can also be wind, hydropower um biomass, uh, you can call it, all these kind of uh, uh, renewables. So because at the moment, the, uh, uh, the global energy mix uh, uh, only uh, contains 19% of renewable energy, so, which is relatively low uh, compared to 80% uh, fossil fuels. And we have to kind of uh, make a huge shift uh, to uh, uh, decarbonize our our society
0: mm-hmm. yes i think this is i think there's probably a, a good thought to leave our uh, listeners with at this point um, so we have obviously two major challenges and others as well but but one is from my point of view what is happening in some of the developed countries like germany and you know, I was looking at some statistics uh, on the one hand, if Germany keeps the trend of replacing some source of energy uh, with others at the moment, um, they will, Germany will still only reach 54% renewable energy by 2030. So that does not leave much time to reach a zero carbon economy. Uh, because it's only about half and that's 2030 so we talked about the 27 years so roughly another 10-15 years and you know time is up more or less so that's critical also also looking at the, the energy mixes in Germany you can see the you know, obviously the renewables increasing but at at the same time, nuclear decreasing quite a lot. And as I looked at these figures here from almost 20%, 20% 22% to something like 10% now. So the question is, if that increases at some point and if there's a big industrial decision to make, then that could be you know something um, something that could compensate as well, uh, as long as all the other question marks around nuclear energy are resolved. So this is around the developed world. And then the... The other big question is what can we do in developing countries or in other countries which are not as quite as developed or industrialized as Germany but are much, much bigger and have a huge impact. So I'm thinking obviously about India and China with huge populations and maybe even you could say, you could even talk about um, the entire continent of Africa which is developing to to a huge extent and from our point of view that's a great thing because Africa for you know many centuries or or decades under colonialism and time was a continent which was always subject to massive you know wars and suffering and and famines. So you know all these countries on, on these big populations they crave this energy they crave you know better support for for services and the big question there is obviously how you know when you. Almost, you know, you're not starting from a blank slate, but you're starting from from a lower developed stage. How can you you can, you know you can employ energy which is already renewable or it's actually sustainable from an early stage? That's, it seems to be that you know big challenge. I'm not even sure if the developed countries are the, the bigger challenge or the developing countries or like the big ones like China and India. Maybe like do you have a final thought on that?
1: Well, I guess uh, we have to uh, we have to focus on reliable supply of clean and affordable energy in developing countries, emerging countries, and also in industrialized uh, countries, uh, in order to combat uh, global heating and avert uh, serious climate disruption. And uh, this includes uh, technical, social, political, economic, ethical, and research integrity issues. Uh, that have to be overcome for a sustainable development of uh, of our society, and um, I think that uh, we ha- are facing uh, an increase in the energy demand because of uh, developing countries. So uh, I th- that's that's why I I believe that uh, if we don't put our emphasis on uh, uh, alternatives and innovating the energy supply uh, worldwide, I think there is uh, no chance of, uh, uh, of turning uh, global heating around because uh, uh, as we discussed earlier, there, uh, we are in a very urgent uh, uh, situation to act. And uh, if we miss that goal, and if uh, uh, countries like uh, Guatemala or uh, India or whoever, whatever country you want to name, are focusing on coal power plants instead of uh, instead of renewable energies, I think then uh, we are going to to miss a huge uh, chance of uh, actually combating uh, uh, climate change.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, well thank you. Thank you so much for all this um, interesting information around energy uh, for this episode on climate change and climate action Jessica.
1: Yeah, thanks for the discussion
0: Yeah, look forward to the next episode
1: (laughs) Yes